Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Welcome back. One hour down, one hour to go here on Hardline on News Radio 930 WBEN. And let's get right into it. As you know, uh, early elections started yesterday. And you might not know it, but there is more to the ballot than just the candidates. And to speak about that with us is Senate Minority Leader Rob Ort. Senator, good morning. Good morning, Joe. Good to be with you. Now, Rob, uh, you know, we, we all know going to the polls and we fill in the bubbles of the candidates and then we put it through that machine. Um, but what else should we be looking for in this off-year election? So it's very important uh, for people to flip the ballot over. So on the back of their ballots, after they vote in, you know, their local officials, uh, on the back side are five propositions that have very real long-term impacts, not just for local elections or for this year's elections, but for future elections, both statewide, presidential, national, uh, as well as local. So uh, very, very significant ballot measures, particularly uh, ballot measures one, three, and four. Uh, The first one would, would change and water down the independent redistricting. So this is the process that is going on currently. Uh, it happens every 10 years after the census, and that is obviously how the, the lines are drawn both for congressional representatives uh, as well as your state uh, senators and assembly members. Uh, in 2014, the voters in New York approved a ballot measure that said they wanted an independent redistricting, meaning they didn't want partisan redistricting. They wanted to select their elected representatives. They didn't want their politicians choosing their voters. The, that passed overwhelmingly, and we're in the first – this is the first time that that independent commission uh, will be able to do its work, this, you know, this redistricting process. Before they've even been allowed to, to do anything or finalize anything, the Democratic majorities passed a resolution two times in a row last year and this year, and now it's on the ballot, which would essentially return us to gerrymandering um, redistricting, partisan redistricting, and it's obvious why they're in charge, so they want to do it, right? And they don't want uh, an independent map drawn because, in their mind, an independent map would be bad for them. Um, so that's the first proposition. Three and four uh, also both deal with voting. One deals with same day registration, so you can walk into the poll booths uh, on the day of voting, 
uh, on election day, and you can simply say, you know, I'm here to vote. Uh, I live at this address. I'm this person, and I want to register. And there's really no way, because there's no voter ID in New York, there's no way for that poll worker to really verify that you are who you, who you say you are, that you live where you say you live. Um, if there was voter ID, this would be no problem. But without voter ID, it's an absolute disaster, and I believe an invitation uh, to fraud and abuse. And then uh, the fourth proposition is uh, no excuse absentee. We have absentee mail today. You can, if you can't get to the polls, if you're sick, if you're out of town for work, you can request an absentee ballot. This would change it in the Constitution where anyone could request an absentee ballot for no reason, and this would open us up uh, to, to ballot harvesting. And, and, and we know this happens in other states that have mail-in voting. Uh, it happened in California. It's happened in North Carolina, and it, it certainly would, would come to New York should this proposition pass. So for those reasons, those three really bad, no, no election integrity measures accompanying them, no voter ID in New York. And so, you know, for, for those reasons, I would encourage everyone to, to vote no, certainly on those three propositions. So this same day voter registration, I mean, this just sounds like, you know, this would be easy um, to manipulate the system if you don't have to show an ID. I mean, you can go to five different polling spots and register, and then you get the same ballot that someone who was already registered would get and put it in the machine and your vote gets counted? Yeah, right. So, yes, anyone that shows up could register and then they would be able to vote. Now, now, what some proponents of it would say, well, that after the fact, you know, that, that there was a double vote. If they saw Joe Beamer in West Seneca voting and Joe Beamer in Amherst voting, that it would it would one of them would be canceled out. But you're, you're our, our election workers are already uh, really overburdened with the significant changes that have occurred in the last year, two years as it relates to voting. So now we have you can register to vote up to 10 days prior uh, now before uh, Election Day. Um, you can get absentee ballots. I think one of the issues I have with a lot of these propositions is I don't know what solution we're trying to solve. Voting is accessible. If you want to vote in New York, there are a myriad of ways to do it. And I have never run into one person in my district in my time in the Senate that has told me, you know, Senator, I really wanted to vote for you or against you, uh, and I wasn't able to because there's just a lot of ways to do it. And so I don't know what solution we're trying to solve. It sounds to me like we're, we're trying to, to, to sow more chaos and, and, and less certainty into our elections. We want to make ex- voting accessible. I think everyone that, should, that wants to vote should be able to. But, Joe, I want to make it harder to cheat, and I want to make uh, strengthen the integrity of our elections. These propositions don't do that. You know, and I look at question four, the no excuse absentee voting. Wouldn't early voting get rid of the need for no excuse absentee voting? One might think, one might be forgiven for, for coming to that conclusion, because now we do have, as you just outlined, we have early voting, which started yesterday. Um, and so if you can't get to the polls, uh, you know, unless you know you're going to be sick. But again, if you're going to be sick, you can get an absentee ballot today. Like if you, do, if, if you aren't comfortable going to the polls um, or, or, you know, you're, you're, you're going to be ill, you're going to be out of there, there, you, you can get an absentee ballot. Um, this is really what they're trying to do is enshrine in the Constitution what, the, what Governor Cuomo did by executive order last year, where he did executive order because of COVID that you wouldn't need an excuse. 
And I think for some people, you know, they said, okay, it's COVID. You know, it's an exceptional moment in time. But we saw, we saw the result, you know, of that. Um, and, and, and a lot of the questions and concerns around the 2020 election centered on the notion that there was all these paper ballots, some of which appeared, you know, well after the election was, was completed, you know, after Election Day. And in some cases, it took months, months to count all those paper ballots, which resulted in, in New York, a congressional representative not even being seated until well into uh, the year, until well into the next year, uh, into her term, uh, being Claudia Tenney down in central New York. So, you know, this, this is just going to be more chaos on our boards of elections, on our election workers, uh, which is bipartisan. They all work very hard. When this is going on, um, but again, I don't know what solution we're, we're, we're solving. I can think of a myriad of, of problems we're creating, and why aren't we accompanying these measures with voter ID, with some type of election integrity measure? I think if you did that, it would allay a lot of the fears that people have and the questions people have around these ballot initiatives. But without those, I think it's important for people um, on those three to vote no or it's going to really change uh, uh, for the worse uh, elections here in New York State. You know, uh, Senator, I'd have to agree with you. I I try to keep my opinion out of this show, but, you know, I I would think if you're trying to not have, if you want people to have less doubts about their elections, um, three and four would seem that you just want to, you know, have people have more doubts uh, about the the elections. But I also want to go back to question one, the redistricting. So there was something passed in 2014. Um, Now, the system before that would be what we would go to now. So would anyone be able to check the you know the the new districts would there be a check and balance or would it really be the majority in in albany would just write the districts and that's how it goes that if if one were to pass uh what it does is it it lowers the the biggest thing i think it lowers the threshold but by the the current um rule which was passed the current law which was passed by voters in 2014 uh, essentially created an independent commission which just met, um, you know, this year. They just started meeting this year. They were just funded this year by the majority to actually start the work of drawing independent and fair districts. This ballot measure would would lower the threshold. So when that independent commission completes their work, it comes to the legislature for approval. This would lower the threshold as far as number of votes needed um, to approve or reject any of those maps. If a map is rejected by the majority or by the legislature as a whole, it returns to partisan map drawing. So, again, there's a lot of folks out there that I'm sure are going to say, so the the goal seems to be to get it back to the legislature, back to the majority drawing these maps. And if that happens, then Democrats from New York City will draw these maps. They will draw the congressional maps, the Senate maps, and the assembly maps. Um, and that's not going to be to the benefit, I would argue, of anybody, but it's really not going to be to the benefit of upstate voters, rural voters, uh, voters who have, you know, who are conservatives in their values. It is absolutely going to be not in the benefit of those voters. And so uh, this, is a, this is one of those inside baseball propositions, Joe, and a lot of folks are going to read this and, and, and you'd be forgiven for not really, okay, what does this really mean? But it is essentially making it easier 
to go back to partisan redistricting and undermining a process that, that the people of New York overwhelmingly uh, voted for in 2014. And I also have to ask a question about uh, question two on the back of the ballot, the right to clean air, clean water, and healthful environment. How much would that cost uh, New York taxpayers? Well, that's a number that is unknown. Um, it, it doesn't – I didn't touch on that because obviously it doesn't uh, – it's a different theme. But it's no less, I believe, impactful and, and has potential negative impact. So when people see – clean right to, to or, or uh, right to clean water and clean air. You know, look, everybody, that sounds great to everybody. Everybody wants clean water and clean air. Um, you know, if I said there was a proposition that you had the right to a, a sunny day, everybody would, would vote for that too because uh, it, sound, it sounds good. Um, and we have a ton of laws that we've passed and regulations in place that, that are, their goal is to protect water and air. My concern with this is because it is so nebulous, it is not very specific, uh, and it's very broad, my concern would be uh, that there would be, this would open people, farmers, up to lawsuits. So if a farmer is spraying insecticide or pesticide, as it is their right to do so to protect their crops, could that, in someone's mind, violate their right to clean water and clean air? And if it does... Could they then bring a lawsuit against that farmer? And now that farmer is in court, and who knows what a judge rules. So I, I just think it, we're opening up, because it's so broad, we're opening up a can of worms that I think is going to cost taxpayers, residents, companies more money. Uh, and I don't know if that's necessarily a, a good thing, nor do I think it actually moves the field or moves the ball if, if you care about the environment. I think it's something that sounds good, but I think there's a lot of – uh, real pitfalls and concerns in the details, which we don't know yet. And so uh, I would encourage voters to be very, very skeptical and cautious of that proposition as well. Now, something that I think will be on the minds of voters, not only this year, but definitely next year, COVID-19. And I, I want to ask you your thoughts on the continued mandates uh, throughout the state put in place by the state and the chaos it has uh, caused in certain sectors of the state. Yeah, well, it's, as far as our, I mean, think about where we were a year ago with our healthcare workers and how every elected official, the governors, were, were hailing our, our, our healthcare workforce as, as heroes. Uh, and they were heroes. They were, these were folks who, who went to work. They were already understaffed. They were already, you know, uh, you know, at the breaking point. And they went to work, worked incredible hours, and they did so without a vaccine, none of them. And they did so at great, obviously, risk and exposure. They didn't have the PPE in some cases. Um, and they got us through the worst of this pandemic. And for some of them, um, now well, the, the reward of that is if you don't get the vaccine, you lose your job. And some of them have lost their job um, because they refuse to, to, to uh, acquiesce to, to that mandate. But that, what does that do? That adds more stress to the workers who remain, because now there's even fewer healthcare workers. It adds more stress to the patients, because now you have less workers, you know, less healthcare, less nurses, less healthcare workers per patient. But here's the real, I think, frustrating part for me. Yes, uh, yesterday or two days ago, I read that the state of New York is offering McDonald's and a Christmas roast and pizza 
as incentives to prisoners to get the vaccine. So if you are a murderer, a rapist, a robber, you've assaulted somebody, you're in jail, we're begging you, we're incentivizing you to get the vaccine. We really want you to get the vaccine. We'll give you some food. We'll give you a Christmas roast. But if you're a law-abiding nurse and you've worked through COVID-19, saving countless lives, you're going to get the vaccine or you're going to lose your job. That dichotomy, I think, is what is really difficult for people to understand why we're treating prisoners better than we are the heroes who got us through this pandemic. And I think that is wrong. And I think most New Yorkers, if they're being honest, would look at that and say, there's just something not right with that breakout. No, for sure. And, you know, continuing looking at these mandates, is it is it far off for me to think that down the road this state is going to mandate booster shots in certain sectors as well? I, I, I don't think you'd be you'd be wrong to, to, to think that. And, and based on what I've seen, uh, as long as um, Kathy Hochul is the governor, I mean, she seems to really be um, all in on COVID mandates. On you know, uh, if you don't want to follow this mandate, we'll fire you. Um, you know, I, I would I wouldn't be surprised soon if the vaccine for you know for children, uh, young children, is 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 you know put forward and and booster shots and whatever it might be. I mean, there, there seems to be certainly on the left a, a um, obsession with not just taking care of yourself. Uh, and protecting yourself or your family or making decisions, as a but really, you know, uh, deciding that everyone has to abide by this or else. And, you know, we're going we're gonna to make this so painful for everybody. You can lose your job. You could be ostracized. You won't be able to go to school. And, and by doing that, we're just going to force everyone to get the vaccine. And, and, and it's really, it's really, uh, I think, an expansion of, of government and government power in a state that is no stranger to it. Uh, and I think that's the long-term concern. It isn't even just about the vaccine. Obviously, that's, the, that's the, uh, what we're talking about today, and, and we're trying to get through COVID, and we, we want to make sure people um, are, you know, are safe. But I, I really worry about this expansion of government power and what this will look like going forward. And I think you would be very you'd – be, you'd be um, – forgiven again for worrying about more mandates around uh, uh, booster shots or any other COVID policy, certainly as long as Kathy Hochul uh, is in that office. Which brings me to my last question, and I think I know the answer to this, but uh, how would you rate the governor's performance uh, through more than two years in office, or two months in office? Yeah, it only feels like two years. Uh, I, I would say I was hopeful, um, and she obviously, you know, Came in in a, in a tough spot, uh, and uh, she's she's nicer. She's much more civil than her her disgraced predecessor, um, and uh, you know she's uh, a far better retail politician. But her, her performance, she has has doubled down, gone so far to the left on a number of these issues. You know whether it's the COVID mandates, whether it is. Uh, choosing for Lieutenant Governor Brian Benjamin, who is a champion of the defund the police movement. When it comes to criminal justice, he has been on every, he has been on the wrong side of every issue in the state Senate, where, where he served with, along with me. 
Uh, and that's a huge issue going into this uh, next year's election is public safety. And she chose as a lieutenant governor someone who's been on the wrong side of those issues. So uh, I'm disappointed um, in the governor's transformation and metamorphosis into uh, a far left progressive champion, which I, I guess she feels she has to do um, to survive a Democratic primary, uh, which she is almost certainly likely to have. So uh, disappointing. Again, nicer uh, than Andrew Cuomo, more friendly. Uh, but as far as the policies, uh, the same or maybe even a little worse uh, thus far. So we'll see. We'll see what the future holds. State Senate Minority Leader Rob Ort, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks, Joe. That is State Senator Rob Ort joining us. And after the news, we will have Buffalo Council Member Rashid Wyatt talking about the stadium talk that we heard this week. And if you're just joining us and you're saying, as one person on the text board did, Joe, your voice, are you sick? It's concerning. No, I was at the Virginia Tech game yesterday. They lost again. Fourth quarter collapse. Drove home through the night so I could be here for Hardline today. But it did have an effect on my voice, and uh, I do apologize. When we come back, as I said, Councilmember Rashid Wyatt is joining us. But first, let's go to ABC News and get the top headlines at 1130. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast baseball is in full swing nba playoffs are heating up and your nfl team is gearing up for training camp listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the odyssey app the biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives. Streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 
Oh, yes. It's the final segment of Hardline here on News Radio 930 WBEN. And let me tell you, I cannot wait until noon, go home, take a nap. The Bills don't play today. So, you know, stayed up late to drive home from the tech game yesterday. Sunburned, heartbroken, but here with you. And if you missed any of the show, it's available online at WBEN.com and on the Odyssey app. But I would ask you not to do that do that until the show is over because we do have a full segment left. And joining us this segment is Buffalo Common Council member Rashid Wyatt. Councilman, good morning. Good morning, Joe. How are you doing? Doing well this morning. My uh, my first question for you is it made news this week, the, uh, the talks of a downtown stadium uh, coming back to life. And how did we get to this point where we are talking about this again within the council? Well, Joe, it's, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I was surprised that there was no conversation when this was announced um, about Buffalo, the Buffalo Stadium. It was just simply um, almost assumed that it would be in Orchard Park. And as a representative for the residents of the city of Buffalo, I've heard from many that was wondering, why didn't anybody speak up on our behalf? And so since the city is one third of Erie County, it's our responsibility to speak up on behalf of the residents of the city of Buffalo. And that's something that we know is very passionate that many of them want. And so we put forth the resolution, myself and Councilmember Fiorilotto, which is supported unanimously by the council. And that's why we're here. Now, let me ask you, you know, we heard a lot of stuff a few months ago uh, from PSE, uh, from members of the county. Uh, were, were the, was the city of Buffalo ever talked to from Pagula Sports uh, and Entertainment when they were talking initially about this new stadium? If I mean, honestly, I'm not sure. Um, I don't think any of my colleagues who I talk to regularly had any conversation with Pagula Sports um, or anyone. Uh, maybe they had a conversation with the mayor, possibly, but as far as I know, no. And where would the stadium, I mean, I know there's there's multiple locations, but is there a place where the council, uh, the members of the council would like to see the stadium uh, downtown? I mean, we don't have an actual site. Um, in mind at this point, and I'm hopeful that um, the governor's um, report will give us some insight on what's being recommended. Um, we just want to make sure it's downtown. Um, we know there's a lot of variables that involved in that, and we're open to that. Um, but at the end of the day, we should be at the table with the residents of the city to weigh in on where it goes, because we're paying part of this bill. Um, it, it's not just that somebody has this money and the city residents aren't putting in. They are putting in. They pay their tax dollars. They pay their sales tax. So we just want to see it at the table. I think it's fair um, to hear from the residents in hopes that they haven't made a deal already and excluded the residents of the city of Buffalo. What kind of support from the state do you think you would get on a downtown stadium? Because I know in the past, um, I mean, uh, you know, new stadiums have been talked about for a, a decade. But I know in the past, you know, downtown Buffalo was was mentioned. And I know there were certain members in, uh, in the state government uh, that supported a downtown stadium. Do you think you'd be able to get the state support um, to put a stadium downtown? I, I, I wish I could. I wish I could uh, say something that would assert that, yes. Um, however, I don't know. However, I think the biggest issue right now is there's a lot of innuendo and misinformation. And so for me, I really would like to get the information out um, to the residents so that they know exactly what we're dealing with, even the residents who don't live in the city of Buffalo, just so that we can make a 
um, educated decision on the facts, not on what people say. Because for me, just in my little mind, <laughs> I think that a downtown stadium would be a huge um, economic boom, not just for the city of Buffalo, but for Erie County. When you talk about the restaurants and the bars and, and the hotels, all those things will add to the sales tax revenue for the county as well as for the city. So I think it makes much more sense to put it in a place where you can not only use it for football games, but possibly for other events. I mean, we've been talking about a convention center. Other cities like Cleveland, Philadelphia, Baltimore, Nashville, uh, San Diego, Los Angeles, Nevada, they all have their stadiums downtown. And so the council is right now debating on bringing, having a um, public hearing on the stadium. And um, we're going to be bringing in some experts that have dealt with it um, throughout the country to give us some insight. So it's just not us listening to ourselves, but really having people who have done it and the impact that it's made. Because for me, um, the amount of money that can be generated and the impact that it will make for downtown, it makes no sense to build it out in Orchard Park when they can just add and enhance um, downtown Buffalo being a destination. And let me tell you, I I love downtown being a destination. I I love what's going on down there. Uh, You know, more and more stuff is happening downtown. I love to see it. I would love to see a stadium downtown. But the first thing that I, I... I say, or someone says to me when I mention a downtown stadium is traffic is the infrastructure, the roads. This would obviously have to be something looked at. Where would that money come from? Well, right now, as you know, the Biden administration is negotiating on an infrastructure deal. And I'm certain by the time that this thing actually comes forth, we will have an infrastructure deal. So some of the money can come from that. So there are some things, I mean, timing is everything. And I think the timing um, would suit very well. Um, for us to be able to do this right now and make everything accessible. But again, I think getting the information out to people, because some people think the traffic patterns would be the same as it is right now in downtown. That that absolutely couldn't be. We would have to have some infrastructure improvements. We could not um, deal with a new stadium downtown and have the same infrastructure. So all those things would be addressed. But, you know, Joe, it's like Joe Biden has said, you know what, go big or go home. Doing it in Buffalo may cost more. But the long-term impact, the economic impact over 20, 25 years would be huge. Now, also going on, you mentioned the convention center, and I know this is a county project, uh, but what do you think of money from the county going to kind of uh, give a facelift to the uh, convention center? Well, I think, to be quite honest, um, Mr. Polencar has made the right decision. I mean, his, his rationale for doing that makes perfect sense. I mean, they don't understand, they they're not sure um, how the travel industry may come back. It may be slower. It may not help uh, um, pay for itself if they were to build a new convention center. So to do a facelift, to make it more attractive, makes perfect sense. So I applaud him on that decision because that's the right thing to do. You want, don't want to spend money that you can't recoup the revenue. Unlike the Bill Stadium, you will get that revenue back Whatever you spend, you're going to get that back. I see the Bills being a good team for the next five to ten years. We will get that money back, and especially if we can utilize it 12, year, uh, 12 months out of the year and not just for football games. I, I think that's the other caveat, that we have to be able to do something with the – if it's a retractable dome or whatever, to make it more attractive so that we can have more events um, that will generate revenues for the city of Buffalo and Erie County. 
Now, we know uh, in about a week, a little over a week, there's a uh, big election going on. Early voting started yesterday, and and I have to say, I can't remember in my lifetime uh, there being uh, this much focus on the Buffalo mayoral uh, election. And we saw yesterday with um, India Walton's campaign bringing in AOC. Uh, What do you think of the status of this election as we hit the one week to Election Day mark? Well, I agree with you. This is a really critical election um, you know, it's, it's been really nasty, um, not something that you want to see. And I think that's what, one of the things that turns a lot of people off is that the nastiness of elections. Um, but I think it's critical. And I, sh- I did a Facebook Live post today um, and just giving people the facts. Um, that's all we need. I mean, I don't need added stuff. I just want to know the facts. And the facts are um, we are in a critical juncture for the city of Buffalo. Um, the incumbent mayor has done some good things, um, but there are people that feel he has not done so good on the east side and other areas, even including me. I think that, you know, the fight that I've had with him as far as school zone cameras and those things that reflect the will of the people are things that he doesn't do as well at. And I think it's important for us to have someone that's going to listen to the people because that's why we're elected. We're not elected to do our own thing. We're elected to do their will. And I think that that's why this important, this election is so important. Were you surprised by the uh, number of early voting turnouts in day one yesterday? Uh, not really, because I think, you know, people have had their eyes on this and they know how critical it is. And I think India Walton really has drummed up a lot of um, support just because of the idea that she says she's going to be somebody that's going to listen to the people. And I'm trusting that she's going to do that because that, to me, is the most important thing. Um, we have a lot of issues in our city um, and we can't solve them by ourselves in our own little um, pods. We got to really be willing to open, be open and listening to others um, and hearing the ideas, because I think that's what government is about. People are turned off because it seems as though we do our own thing and we ignore them. I think that she's going to be that type of person that's going to listen to us and hear from us. And although she may make some mistakes, um, I think as the common council, many of us, we want to see whoever's in there, to be quite honest, is successful. That We just can't be working against someone's demise because the residents don't want to hear about complaints. They want to hear about how we solve problems and how we make their quality of life better. What do you think of uh, Governor Hochul not uh, putting her support behind either of the candidates? Um, I, you know what? We all make our own decisions. And I think what the governor did is basically saying, I mean, I appreciate what she said. She's going to work with whoever. So for her to just kind of be neutral is something that honestly, I probably was I wanted to do. Um, but I thought it was too important. So depending on the individual, they make a decision based on that. And for her and in, in the importance of the, the person that's going to lead this city, you know, she, don't, she doesn't want to have a bias, and I can respect that. Councilmember Rashid Wyatt, thank you so much for joining me this morning. Thank you, Joe. Bye-bye. That is Buffalo Common Council Member Rashid Wyatt joining us on Hardline this morning. And so much to talk about. And, and as I said to him, I don't ever remember there being – Um, a a Buffalo mayoral race on election day. I mean, usually it's in the primaries, right? Um, But the attention this has gotten, I mean, you were talking about um, people from Congress that aren't local members of Congress, but popular, um, if you agree with her or not, AOC is a popular member of Congress. Uh, I don't remember that outside attention ever being on a Buffalo mayoral election, and here we are. Um, it's being talked about. I mean, you heard last week we had Dave Leventhal on. Now, granted, Dave is from Buffalo, 
but it's something that is getting attention nationally. You heard Rick Klein talking with Susan and Brian on Friday about this. Uh, So it is an election that's getting a lot of attention, and there will be a debate. I'm not sure you heard this. Six days before Election Day, there is a debate uh, between the two candidates, and you can hear that live here on News Radio 930 WBEN, Wednesday morning at 9.15. So when you're usually listening to your favorite 9 o'clock radio show, Beamaz and Beamer, uh, there will be the Buffalo mayoral debate, 9.15 a.m. Wednesday, live on News Radio 930 WBEN. You are not going to want to miss that. And after the debate, we will have analysis as well. So... Only one place to be here this election season, and that is right here on News Radio 930 WBEN. We will close out Hardline after this on WBEN. All right, that is Hardline for Sunday, October 24th. I'm going to start doing that now. It sounds more official when you say it like that. Uh, that is the program for this day, Sunday, October 24th, the year. 2021. Uh, If you missed any of the show, we had Congressman Brian Higgins, State Senator Rob Ort, and Buffalo Common Council member Rashid Wyatt. Those will all be available online at WBEN.com. And yes, we are a little over one week away from Election Day. Early voting is open countywide. And again, Election Day is Tuesday, November 2nd. So make sure you get to the polls, you exercise your right to vote, and all the coverage you need for election 2021 will be right here on News Radio 930 WBEN, including the mayoral debate Wednesday, this Wednesday at 9.15 a.m. So, you know, you get to work, you get in the office, and you do what you always do. You turn on WBEN on your radio or on the Odyssey app or at WBEN.com. We will see you back here tomorrow morning at 5 a.m. A new morning with Susan Rose and Brian Mazarowski, B-Maz and Beamer, 9 to 10, David Bellavia, 10 to 2, Tom Bowerly, 2 to 6, and Buffalo's Evening News with Tom Puckett, 6 to 7. Enjoy your Sunday afternoon, Buffalo. I'll talk to you tomorrow here on WBEN. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 